0: Radio.com. Thank you for being.
1: Everyone, I am Deb Creer, the Socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And this is a red letter day for several reasons. The first of which is I am in studio in Denver for the last 18 months. I have done my program remotely, which works absolutely fabulous. But it is so cool to be back here in the Mile High City. And the other reason this is a red letter day is because of my guest. Stephanie, I came 1,400 miles just to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> so with me today is Stephanie Stephanie Hilberry. And let me tell you a little bit about her before we launch into this. Stephanie knew that there had to be something more than life behind the cubicle when she left her 9-to-5 banking job in 2008 to launch a speaking and writing career. Almost immediately, she began to realize that things like blogging, self-publishing, and social media paved the path to success for businesses of all shapes and sizes. Stephanie has invested the past six years in becoming an expert in content marketing and feels that there is no better time to share a message, build a following, or reap a profit than now. We love that. Now. (laughs) I don't want money 10 years from now. I want my money now. This belief has fueled her passion for teaching and training others around the country about marketing. Most recently, Stephanie is honored to become a certified marketing speaker with findability.com and is thrilled to be sharing common sense, practical steps toward getting more traffic to your website. Stephanie lives in Fort Collins, so she actually came quite a distance too. It was a couple hour drive for her. So, you know, this this really is a, a great day for us here. Um, she lives with her husband and her business partner, Craig, and their dog, Caesar. And she also enjoys photography, hiking, knitting, sewing, and I love this part, reading wildly popular <laughs> fiction written for Teenagers, <laughs> so that kind of gives you an idea of how much fun we're going to have today. Um, so again, Stephanie, welcome and thanks for making this big trek down here. Thank
2: you, Dev. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Perfect. Well, now Stephanie and I were introduced by the ever fabulous Grandma Mary, yes. who is also known as Andrea Vall, and we love Andrea. Andrea was my very first guest really? when I started a Mile High Radio, so it is so much fun um, that Stephanie put us in, or that that uh, Andrea put us in contact because Andrea, you know, she knows that the um, importance of of great networking, but more importantly, she only works with fabulous people. So I knew that (laughs) Stephanie just had to be fabulous. Well, I
2: appreciate that. And yes, Andrea has been a great connection. Um, She's humorous. She's funny and she really knows her stuff about social media. Mm -hmm. So um, any connection that she has with me, um, anyone she introduces me to has always been very good. So Thank you, Andrea, yes. for making the the dots connect. We appreciate it.
1: I believe she's actually in Puerto Vallarta right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Um, so she'll listen. I'm, um, you know, she she might. She's be listening she's listening right it, now, probably on know, the beach. We know she's down there. Um, but let's just dive right into this okay. because your biggest passion, it sounds like, is blogging. Why? You know, it's it's something when you tell business owners you need to blog, they're they're looking and they're saying. well, I don't I have enough to post on social media. How can I blog? Why should a, a business person be blogging? So I, I see that deer in the headlights look a lot from <laughs> business
2: owners mm-hmm. when we talk mm-hmm. about blogging. And my argument for why blogging is not only worth consideration, but worth the time mm-hmm. is, um, Because it is the online space that you own. So as opposed to posting content on social media, which of course I'm an advocate of, Mm -hmm. um, it is the online space that you host that you own. So when you have an idea, a thought, a, a picture, an article, that information is on your domain and people come to your home, Mm -hmm. your online home to read it and to interact with you, to comment, um, to share it. And to me, this interaction has a little bit more of a depth of quality than, um, on, you know, a platform like maybe Pinterest or Mm -hmm. YouTube. And that again, is not to undermine social media interactions. It's just to say that I think that, Hosting your own blog and having people come to your site is more like inviting them into your home
1: right? Mm-hmm. and hosting
2: them for dinner, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to meeting them somewhere mm-hmm. at a restaurant or a coffee shop. When they come to your space, you have an opportunity to show a more personal side mm-hmm. of yourself. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity to carry the conversation um, into a deeper direction. Um, When you invite people to your home, figuratively, they have an opportunity to stay. They linger. Maybe Mm -hmm. they go to a room that's different from the one that Mm -hmm. they came on. You know, for a website, this could be uh, more blog posts, different pages, maybe a product page or a service or a landing page. Um, whereas if you're meeting with them somewhere out, then you're more restricted. You mm-hmm. don't own that space. The the company does. The restaurant does. Mm-hmm. Or in the tra- case of social media, Facebook does or mm-hmm. Twitter does. Right. So this is why I think blogging is beneficial for business owners. It gets people to your website. And your website is really where you have a chance to shine mm-hmm. and showcase um, based
1: on your style, right. your tastes. Well, and uh, of course, the thing about a blog is... You can write it as long as you want. I mean, you know, and, and we'll talk about some yep. some of the the uh, big recommendations that you have for length and sure. times and and sure. all of that. But you know, even on Facebook, you can write you know fairly lengthy post, but only a little bit of it shows. Right. And then it says continue reading. And how many of us yeah. really click that continue reading button? So you know, clearly, what you have to do on Facebook is catch them in that first couple sentences. You do. And and you have to do that everywhere. I mean, you, you do. know, we all have the attention span of a gnat, and yep. if you don't catch me within a couple sentences, well, then I've clicked another button. Yep. But on your blog, people have gone there specifically for that content. Yeah. So it's more likely that they will read further, and then if they see that, ooh, and they do want to to yep. read more. So you know, what I tell people is. You should be driving people with your, to, to your blog from social media. Yes. And that's, you know, so maybe you write a blog post that has the five key tips of yada, yada, yada. That's five social media posts right yes. there. So for people who are panicking about what to post, that's kind of where that comes from. Yep. So you're talking to a business owner who, you know, you got them past the deer in headlights. Look. <laughs> and then, and so they're back to kind of breathing normal and they're thinking, how do I start? What do I do? You know, so how should somebody start blogging? Do they do the free platforms? You know, what are the various things that, that you teach people, especially in the terms of, you know, you want them to really own that space? Right.
2: First and foremost, I recommend using the WordPress platform mm-hmm. for blogging. Um, I think that uh, most professional bloggers are on WordPress Uh, A lot of us have websites that we host Mm -hmm. on WordPress. And yep, Mm -hmm. you do. I do. A a lot of my clients do. A lot of business owners I speak with do. Um, so I think just if you can blog right there on your own domain, um, using your website. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't have the capability of doing that, if you're not a WordPress user or, um, you're just not a fan of that, you're not comfortable with that, then you can definitely look at some of the alternative blog hosting mm-hmm. programs, um, I started out back in early 2009 on blogger, uh, which is owned by Google mm-hmm. and that platform was very easy to use. Um, I like that one because Google owns it. So there's a little bit of extra, yeah, uh, a little, yeah, little mm-hmm. oomph, little extra search engine optimization love from Google since they own the platform. Um, it's again, very easy to use. So if you're intimidated by the technology, um, a platform like blogger really takes away all of that. Oh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to upload pictures. I don't know how to write code. I'm not a web designer. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, all these technical things I have no, um, knowledge of something like blogger would make that very easy. You don't really mm-hmm. have to know any of that. It's just kind of drag and click. Um, so that's technically where I would start. Mm-hmm. I would e- either number one, WordPress, or number two, blogger. Um, and and then really, it's just a matter of kind of creating the look and style okay. that you like. Mm-hmm. And you can use your web designer to do this, collaborate with them, um, or you can, again, just create it yourself. Um, I managed to do all of my web design for years using... Presentation software like PowerPoint. Wow! I'm a Mac user, so I use Uh Uh Keynote. But you know, same thing. Uh Right. Just creating my own graphics and doing screenshots and exporting Uh as pictures. It's amazing what you can do with Office. Right. Software. Definitely. And Uh so, you know, in terms of you don't need a lot of fancy equipment or software to launch and publish a blog. Um. And then once you've done that, really, it's just it's just writing. Uh It's figuring out what you're going to say, having a schedule, coming up with good ideas, and consistently. Uh, sitting down and putting down your right. thoughts. So,
1: well, and you know, when when I started blogging, I used WordPress.com, which is the, the free version. Yes, but that meant my blog was DebCareer.WordPress.com, yes. so I didn't have any of that fancy schmancy, uh, search engine optimization that came with it. Yep. So, you know, when I got a little more serious about it, yep. I transferred to wordpress.org, which is who hosts. Yep. So then it's on debcareer.com. Right. And the nice thing was I, all that content was, was transferable. Now I had to work with my hosts to figure sure. all of that out, but so I didn't lose any of my posts. So I really like that. But it was funny because I, when I worked with people, I would tell them you need to blog, you need to blog, you need to blog. And they would look at me and they'd say, well, we want to read your blog. And I'd go, <laughs> because I had this impression that my blog had to be absolutely perfect. Yes. And I, I put it off for probably a year because I would start a post and I think, you know, and, and now granted it should be grammatically correct. It yes. should be, you know, all of those various things. But how do you tell people to get over that? It has to be perfect stage because that's really what we want is, you know, we want to put our best foot forward. But at some yeah. point you just have to take that leap. You do. And, The more, the the quicker you do
2: it, the easier it becomes. Mm -hmm. There is this feeling of vulnerability at first when you're publishing, uh, to a blog. I think it's. We all have this kind of idea of, well, I've written this thing and now I'm putting it out there and everyone is going to see it. Ugh. And, you know, what if they don't like it? What if it's not, um, what if it's not good? And the truth is number one, everyone is not going to see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we wish everyone right. was mm-hmm. going to see it. Oh and we'll yeah, that would be great. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that they won't. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to build a blog mm-hmm. and a blog following. So your first post, you don't have to put that kind of pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, secondarily, I think you just need to do it because the more you do it, the easier Mm -hmm. it gets. Right. And then in terms of, you know, it needs to be perfect. It doesn't need to be perfect. Blog posts are, you know, three to 500 word articles. Um, the quicker you can kind of just state your point, state your, your, um, you know, top three, here's mm-hmm, how to do mm-hmm. this, or here's five steps to do this, or here's my, you know, two point thought on this thing happening in my industry. Um, these are not dissertations, right? They're not mm-hmm. papers that you're handing into a professor or a teacher. Um, they're, they're not lengthy. And in fact, in order to kind of help get over some of that initial anxiety, I think it's great to remember that a blog post really is scannable content. Mm -hmm. Readers don't often read every single word. Mm-hmm. They look at your headlines, they they scan through it to get your main basic points, and then they click on to the next mm-hmm. thing. So you don't have to write the way that you were when you were doing high school term papers. Mm-hmm. You can write the way you speak mm-hmm. conversationally um, as you would if you were speaking with a client or a customer or a friend. And if you put yourself in that
1: mind frame, I think it takes a little bit of the edge off. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, the, the length, I think, is, is something very important because you mentioned, you know, 300 to, to 500 words. When you start getting longer than that, just cut it into two blog posts. You know, and and, yeah. and I've seen people who have, well, you know, my I have to say this all. No, you don't. You know, especially if you said now, you know, check back next week for part two. Right. Then you've really made people, you know, or if they maybe catch part two, then they're going to go back and read part one and, right. you know, look for part three. So why is the three to 500 word kind of the optimal amount and I'll push it a little bit I don't think I've ever gone maybe more than 550 yeah which I could obviously edit that I mean you'll know, 50 words to edit out you could do yes but um, why is that kind of a good goal to to aim for
2: I think it is um, and you'll find this as you're writing blog posts it's it's about the length that it takes to kind of get across your point in you've got an introductory paragraph, You've got about three points mm-hmm. and then you've got a conclusion. Mm-hmm. And that rounds out to about three to five hundred words. Okay. And that's about the attention span mm-hmm. of the average blog reader. Mm-hmm. Blog readers are not there to, um, they're not reading a book. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let's remember right. that. Mm-hmm. Blog readers are not on your site to read a book. They're there to read a blog post and blog posts traditionally are shorter, snippets of information. They want to learn something and they want to learn it fast. Um, They especially, if you have this skill, want to be, um, they want to see something visually appealing with images that go along with your content. So three to 500 words gives you enough time to kind of stretch your legs. Mm -hmm. You can actually develop a a thought, an idea, um, some helpful advice or tips but it's not so lengthy that you're going to lose them. Right, where people are going to bounce off and and
1: you know trot off mm-hmm. somewhere else on the web because people's attention span online is short. It right. just is. Right. Well, in three to five hundred words, once you get used to writing that, mm-hmm. should only take maybe fifteen twenty minutes. Um, you know, and now obviously it depends on your writing it skills does. and things like that. I'm one of those people that. I will write the blog post in my head first. You know, in a, in the shower, yep. in the car, wherever. And then it does flow pretty quickly. And and I've got it down to that process where it I, I write it out and I usually do it in Word, because yep. that way it'll spell check. It'll do you yep. know, all those fancy schmancy things for me. I'll leave it for a while, then I go back yep. and I look at it again. And then I'll actually put it into the website and I you know and, and so it's it's not a write it and you know, do it right away right. process. And everybody finds different ways to do it, you know, and and then I will look at it one last time before it goes live, and it's funny, that's usually when I'll catch that one last typo, that grammatical error, you know, all of those things. So altogether, it probably only takes me about an hour to do a blog post spread out over the the span of, you know, maybe a day or, you know, a half a day or something like that.
2: Well, and I like, I, I read an article recently that was very useful to me, I thought, um, for writing blog posts and this author recommended that you do it just like what you're saying mm-hmm. Devin kind of in stages and um she said she liked to do during her first day she would outline and then on day 2 she would just write you mm-hmm. know write with no no editing no uh, this was the draft and then day 3 she would go back and edit mm-hmm. And then day four, she would put it on, you know, put it on the website, right. do a final mm-hmm. edit, add mm-hmm. some images, and then publish. Mm-hmm. And I really like that st- series of steps mm-hmm. because it takes away the pressure of sitting down at your computer and thinking, right. oh my gosh, I've got to publish a blog mm-hmm. post today and I have to do the whole process right now um, and... That's overwhelming and then I'm, I'm going to start it and then stand up and leave my computer and, and not come back mm-hmm. to it. So to break it up into chunks like that, mm-hmm. I think is a very, right. very smart, tactical way to
1: follow through and mm-hmm. actually get it onto your website. Right. And, and as you mentioned, it takes that stress off. It does. You know, because if, if you're trying to do it all at once, And you get interrupted. I think that's where it really gets tricky because then you're having to get back into that mind flow of what was I saying here? But Mm -hmm. if you do it in kind of the the chunks, then you can take those mental breaks, whether it's that you answer email or you sleep on it or whatever. Plus, it also depends on what you're writing about. You know, sometimes we start a blog post and we're very passionate about something good or bad, you know, and, and then time kind of tempers that passion a little bit and, and we're able to back off and see things a little bit more clearly.
2: Yeah. Well, and if you think about how were you taught to write, you were taught to write a draft Mm -hmm. and then you were taught to revisit the draft and edit it and make it better. And I think good blog posts still follow that basic process Mm -hmm. where you, you create your outline, then you draft then you edit and then you publish. Mm-hmm, right. So we're it's the same same with blogging as it is when you were in third grade, mm-hmm. learning how to write your first, mm-hmm. you know, history paper. Um only the process is um obviously online and it's mm-hmm. digital, but creatively it's the same thing.
1: Right. So now, one of the things you mentioned was images. Yes. Should a blog always have images? And if so, how many? And then we'll talk about where to kind of get sure. those images. So the, the, and this is a very,
2: um, I think can be an obstacle for businesses that are wanting to blog is this pressure to produce images in addition right. to the content. Mm-hmm. Um, The truth is that blogging, the internet in general, is becoming increasingly more of a visual space. Mm -hmm. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of a good aesthetic Mm -hmm. for your online content in general. This applies to social media. It applies to your website and it applies to your blog. Whatever you're doing online needs to look good. Right. If it doesn't, then it it undermines your legitimacy and your credibility. Mm -hmm. So blog readers are used to seeing some attractive visuals to go along with the content. And I think this adds another dimension of learning for people. They retain what you're Mm -hmm. saying better if you've got a nice image. That said, I do not think that you have to be dogmatic. You don't mm-hmm. need to have an image for every single post that you mm-hmm. write. Um, Seth Godin is an extremely successful blogger, right. and he never posts right. images right. for his content. So it's certainly not a rule. Mm-hmm. Um I do think that if you can add an image, it does add something mm-hmm. to the post. One thing that does kind of, I have noticed this, um is... Images in a blog post that really don't relate to the content at all. And right. they're just mm-hmm. kind of there as sort of web eye candy. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a little counterproductive. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting to the point where you're you're feeling pressure to add an image and you like a picture and it's pretty, but it doesn't really relate to the content, and you just kind of post it. Um, I think in those circumstances, maybe less is more. Mm-hmm. Just opt without right. the image. Right. Um, but in terms of like i said if you've got the resources and you've got the the time then adding an image is a nice addition mm-hmm. to a blog mm-hmm. post uh, especially if you're wanting to post it to social media for promotion. Right. And specifically mm-hmm. if you're using a platform like Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you have to have an you image. You do. Mm-hmm. You really do. If you're using Pinterest for marketing at all and you're wanting to market your links, you need an image and mm-hmm. you need a good image. Um, I also think Facebook is a very visual space mm-hmm. and I think that Facebook posts with images tend to do better. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. Now advice for creating images mm-hmm. or finding them um, certainly one thing I like to do and have always done is just to search a Google image mm-hmm. search right um, You can find all kinds of great images. you do want to be generous with your credit mm-hmm. to the source of those images. So y- your blog is not you're not using it for commercial purposes in that it's not a product or an article that you're actually selling. Mm-hmm. It's a marketing um, it's a piece of marketing material. Mm-hmm. Um, So that said, you don't necessarily need to worry about copyrights and licenses in a way that you would if you were going to publish this content for profit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that as a a rule, it is smart to find the source of an image that you're Mm -hmm. using and just provide a link to Mm -hmm. the source. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, when I first started blogging, I was using a lot of images from the web because I didn't... Own a, I didn't own a digital camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a graphic designer by any stretch of the imagination. And the further down the road I went, the, the more I discovered that I wanted to create my own images mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And gradually over time, I actually transitioned more and more to taking my own photos okay, great. and using, um, again, really presentation software. Mm-hmm. I just would open up my, you know, keynote software and create a graphic, mm-hmm. colored background, some text. And I would use those for my images, and that's really what I recommend as well. Um, if you have the time and the inclination and the creativity, it's really
1: fun mm-hmm. to come up with your own pictures that you use. Right. Well, and there are so many sources out there. Yes, um, you know, I, I, I typically, well, I for several years I went with iStock yep. and and bought my images yep. there. And I'm an old school PR person. Yep. Where five years ago, even you know. An image was very expensive. Yes. Now you can get them for like a dollar, two dollars, or even free if you, if you give credit, depending on the website and things. My favorite right now, and this was actually an, an Andrea Val's suggestion is depositphotos.com. Okay. You know, I spend maybe a dollar fifty on an image and, and I always have one. And my tendency in my blog is kind of a little whimsical, might be the the way I say it. So, you know, if, if it's a, a posting about you know, you're having difficulty finding content. Mm -hmm. The picture I might use would be a child at a computer pulling their hair out. Right. Does it directly pertain? Maybe not always, but it's, it's, you know, I'm not, it's related and I'm not posting a picture of a butterfly or something like that. And so, but, but that's kind of that whole theme, you know, where people, when they see those images, they all tie together and, you know, and and it really is, as I was saying, pretty inexpensive to, to have an image in there. And the nice thing is, depending on the software you're using, you know, WordPress, you can the, it does all sorts of things with the image. Yep. You can resize it, you can center it, you can do whatever you need to, and that is part of that learning curve. I mean, you know, the it first is. time somebody sits down to blog, it's going to take them a while. Yeah, you know, and and you need to realize that that the hour, two hour, three hour process when you start does turn into a thirty minute process at the end. Yeah. Um, now, part of that is with the consistency. You know, if you're only yep. blogging once in a blue moon, then you're not going to remember those things. So let's talk about consistency. You know, how often should somebody blog? Because we've all heard things from every 10 minutes to once a day to once a week. How often should somebody blog?
2: So this is one of the most frequently asked questions that I get is how often do I do this? Mm -hmm. And of course my answer is, well, it depends, which is one Mm -hmm. of those annoying responses. (laughs) It depends on your industry and the expectation Mm -hmm. of your industry. Uh, it depends on your time and I think it depends on your objectives. So first let me tackle the industry. For most of us who are in business, we can get away with posting, you know, once a week, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe even once a couple months. I'm kind of a fan of, of the once a week Mm -hmm. schedule. Um, I like to visit sites that have got content that's been updated pretty recently, mm-hmm. you know, especially within the month, I would say if you're going to blog, you need to at least commit to blogging mm-hmm. on a monthly basis so that when someone visits your blog, they see a post, it has a date and it, you know, that is within the month that they are currently mm-hmm. in. Right. Um, if you are blogging in the sort of lifestyle arena, you mm-hmm. know, if you are um, maybe an Etsy seller and you're wanting to blog and, and your market are, um, the, sort of the the mom bloggers, the photography bloggers, the, the cooking and crafting bloggers, then you need to pl- to blog a lot more. Mm-hmm. You need to blog probably once a day. Right. Because that particular facet or subsection of blogging, um, they post daily, if not multiple times mm-hmm. per day. Right. So number one, make sure that you kind of assess the atmosphere of your industry to mm-hmm. see sort of what the standard is, um, what other people are doing within your industry. Uh, And then also assess how much time you have. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, Deb, you mentioned consistency. I'm a big advocate for consistency over um, frequency. Right. Meaning that I think that you, if you can commit to posting one time per week, then stick to that. It's better to do that than to do, you know, to jump in. To post every day for two weeks and then to completely burn out Mm -hmm. and not post anything again for another month. Right. Mm -hmm. That sort of stop and go pattern, um, which, which we frequently see in social media, blogging included creates, um, some confusion in the minds of your followers and your readers. They don't quite know when to expect Mm -hmm. what you're going to say and when you're going to say it. And it's, it's nice to be able to create a habit and a pattern, not only Mm -hmm. for them, but for you. Mm It's nice for you to integrate it into your schedule so that
1: it becomes routine enough that you do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and as you mentioned, integrate it into your schedule. Yeah. you know, know that every Wednesday from 2 until 3, yep. you'll block your time out. Do whatever you need to yep. to, to do that because you know it, it is getting into that habit. And if you know, okay, every Wednesday from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock, I'm going to write my blog post, yep. then it makes it so much easier to do You know, and and we've all seen the people who over blog, you know, and, and when they do that, you can tell by their content, you know, and, and it's funny because there have been some of the big name bloggers that I have followed that I have stopped following because it's been clear to me that they have committed that every day at 2 PM, they're going to blog and they end up posting drivel because they felt that it was more important to keep that schedule than to have good quality information.
2: The most important thing to remember about your blogging efforts is that you're not doing it because you should. Mm -hmm. You're doing it because you're trying to make a connection with your audience, your prospects, your customers, your followers. You want to write quality content that they will actually value. Right. And when you start making your objective, I've got to do, you know, I've got to check this off of my daily marketing list. Immediately you're now focused on yourself Mm -hmm. and what you're wanting to accomplish and you're not focusing on them and what they're really needing and what they want to receive from you. And that starts to show pretty quickly. Mm -hmm, Right. And I think that we all get caught in that, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of trap of forgetting that the reason that we do marketing in the first place is so that we can provide value and connection to prospects and followers. Mm -hmm. And when you Take yourself out of their shoes and put yourself right back into yours and what you need to do and what your business needs. Um, I think you you lose you lose the end goal in
1: mind. Mm-hmm. Right, and and we're as you said, we're not writing for ourselves. No, which is funny because that's kind of how blogging started. Yes, yeah. it was like an online journal. Yep, and I think that's where business owners get caught up in it, and that's also the same reason why they don't use social media is because they think, well, people are only posting their vacation pictures and what they had for breakfast. You know, blogging and social media is so much more of a marketing tool now than it was even a year ago. Yeah, and the. The thing that I think
2: is so hard to remember, it's an easy concept to grasp, but it's just hard to practice, is that really your social media is about you and your blogging is about you. You want to use it as a vehicle to express yourself and your company and your culture and your ideas with people so they can make a a connection with you and get to know you Mm -hmm. better, which enhances the value of your brand. But the truth is that the best way that you do that is actually not by focusing exclusively on yourself, Mm -hmm. but really by focusing on what aspects of you do they really value. Right. So it's about you, but it's really about what parts of you they value, Mm -hmm. they see in themselves, they connect to. Mm -hmm. So I think that that little extra, um, tweak in perspective is, so challenging, and I speak from personal experience. I find it hard to do all the time. Mm-hmm. I post great. things. I, I write articles, and this is, again, where the editing process comes in. It's Sometimes I'll sit down and I'll write a blog post, and I'll finish it up, and I'll be like, oh, great, I finished it, and then I'll read through it, and I think, you know, would, they, would the person I'm writing to, my fan, my follower, actually read this. Do, is this really what they need to know? And mm-hmm. sometimes the answer is no. This, right. was, this was just something I thought mm-hmm. was interesting, mm-hmm. but it's not actually something I think they need to know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to clutter up their inbox or their social media stream or their time
1: with something that's that really only serves right. me. And and the trick is, of course, if you do that too many times, you lose them. Yeah. They unsubscribe, you do. they do whatever. So then when you're posting something they care about, yep. they're not going to read it. Great. Well we are at the bottom of the hour, good. so we're gonna go ahead and take a break. I, it's so much fun, you know. I could sit here for hours and hours and hours and, and talk about this. But we're gonna go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, let's talk about content and okay. where you know where people find content, yep. all of those good things. So I am Deb Creer, I'm with Stephanie Hillberry, and we are on Mile High Radio.
0: Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant. Great shows, great music, milehighradio.com. What are you listening to? Hi, Chris here from the Gluten Free Bakery. Do you get gas bloating, cramping, or worse, when you eat items with wheat, barley, or rye? You may be dealing with celiac, gluten intolerance, or a gluten allergy. Experts estimate that up to 40% of us need to avoid gluten. At Yumbana, we bake the best-tasting gluten-free items, hands down. For two years, I've been perfecting our recipes to be tasty and moist instead of dry and crumbly. We use nothing artificial, and we ELISA test our products to be sure they're truly gluten-free. So no matter if you're a super-sensitive celiac or someone who feels better staying away from gluten, stop tooting your gluten and visit our online store today. Go to YumbanaShop.com. That's y-u-m-b-a-n-a. S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. We ship worldwide, and if you live in the Castle Rock area of Colorado, delivery is free. Save 10% when you enter the coupon code MILEHIGHRADIO. YumbanaShop.com. This offer is void where prohibited. Resort selections and reservations are subject to availability. This ad is used for the purpose of soliciting the sale of timeshare interests.
1: If you've got two hours to spare, we've got a world of fun to share. Take your family on a magnificent four-day, three-night vacation to either Orlando or Las Vegas. Valued at more than $700, you page us $159 total. Yes, just $159 for four days and three nights. Diamond Resorts International is making this special offer just so you can experience our brilliant Diamond Class accommodations. It's not just a standard hotel room, but a spacious suite. Discover Diamond Resorts International with an informative presentation about what makes our famous vacation ownership accommodations such amazing vacations. Call right now to see if you qualify for this amazing vacation and a 100 dollars Visa gift card and to hear additional restrictions and details. Call 800 542 9072 That's 800 Five four two nine zero seven two. And we are back. I am Deb Creer, and with me today is Stephanie Hillberry. And before we jump back into all of this, Stephanie, tell people how they reach you and how they connect with you online. You bet. You can find
2: me online at StephanieHillberry.com. and you can definitely find me on social media. I would love to connect with you uh, if you want to send me a connection request on LinkedIn or follow me on Twitter. So again, that's com, and anywhere on social media if you just Search Stephanie Hillberry.
1: I should come up. Great. You know, and and that actually brings up a point that I always tell people. You have your name as your website. I have my name as my website. And I tell people, get that name. Even if you are not using it right now, you know, you're working for a big XYZ company or, you know, you, you, we mentioned at the start of the program, you were in banking. Yep. Have that name, you know, and and maybe you're not doing anything there, but you're spending the $4 a year, you know, this is now cheap to, to have websites, just so that if you ever need that platform, you have your own name.
2: Yes, I couldn't agree more. I think that that is a very smart tactic, and I am actually going to be, you know, I start new sites um, and have throughout the past several years, I have one kind of in the hopper right now. Um, but it's just nice to know that Stephanie Hillberry will always be there right. mm-hmm. for, you know, changes. Mm-hmm. Anytime mm-hmm. my business change or I have a, a new direction I want to go in, it's always there for right. me.
1: You know, and, and it's funny because I know people who buy URLs. I mean, oh, you yeah. know, they just think. It, yeah. And, 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 I mean, they've been doing that for years. Yeah. With, with things. Um, but you yeah, have that one and then you can branch off from there. You know, I recently launched a, a new website that is specifically for LinkedIn. Yep. So it's locked on to LinkedIn.com. Yep. But of course it, it's driven, people are driven there from my main website. Right. So, you know, that's kind of where they find me. They know my name, they know your name, you know, and, and, and that's where the blog resides, which is, is where, you know, it, it should be. So, you know, you're talking with somebody for the first time and then, you know, you've got them again, past the deer and headlights. Yep. You've talked them through, here's the platforms, all those various things. And then they say, what Do I write? (laughs) What do you
2: tell them? Well, number one, I think it's important to remember that a blog post is not not always a written article. So something that, you know, certainly I think a a lot of us struggle with is that thought of uh, I'm not a writer. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really like writing. Mm -hmm. I've never been a great writer. And now you're telling me I have to write Mm -hmm. every week and it's got to be three to five hundred words. And I want to encourage all of you who do not perceive yourself to be writers to remember that there are a lot of ways to communicate through the internet in this day and age. You can podcast, um, you can create a video, you can tell a story through pictures, you can illustrate a concept. Um, I think that there's, you could do a webinar. So number one, remember that Writing is not the only vehicle for a blog. Cool. You can produce content in a lot of different ways if writing is just not your, de- mm-hmm. your deal. Um, that said, all of us need to have ideas. So whether it's for a video or a, or you're going to write an article or you're going to speak a podcast that you post to your blog, um, you need to come up with content. The way that I do this is, um, number one, I just keep a notebook handy or... Uh, a place on my computer, you know, a little open document. And if I have a blog idea, I jot it down. I mean, I can be in the middle of vacuuming. Mm -hmm. And if a blog post idea comes to me, I will turn off the vacuum, run into my office and jot down the thought Mm -hmm. before I forget. And this keeps for me a nice running list of blog ideas. Mm-hmm. And then just like with the editing process, I'll go back to that list and you know, a lot of those ideas aren't great. I decide I don't actually want to write them, but there are enough usually that are. Another great way for you to collect ideas is to set up some Google alerts. And those are just Ooh, free nice. yeah mm-hmm, free alerts mm-hmm. that you set up with Google on subjects that are interesting to you that pertain to again uh, topics that are interesting to your uh prospect mm-hmm. your customer your target market so to set up those Google alerts you could just you could google google alerts mm-hmm. and then type in the the phrases topics subjects that uh are valuable to you and your followers and every you can schedule it so that you get an email every day and an email once a week, whatever your preference is. And Google will just curate content from the web Mm -hmm. that's recent, that's published on that topic area. And then you've got a nice sort of cache of um, articles, videos, news clips that relate to that subject that you can use as fodder to fuel your creativity for Mm -hmm. what you want to say. So that's another great suggestion for just getting ideas. Um, And then, of course, following people in your industry. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you've got bloggers within your industry that are writing it, they have some great ideas that
1: you can, right. um, use to find inspiration. Well, and it's not that you're copying them because no. I've heard people say, well, so-and-so just wrote about that. So I shouldn't. You should be putting it in your own words right. and putting your own spin, your own right. take on it. You know, even if you have the exact same advice or suggestion or product or service or whatever, it's still going to have your mark. Right. And the people who follow you don't necessarily follow the other guy. Right. So, you know, you want to get that out there. And and I'll be honest, that's one of those things that I think about is, well, you know, ooh, I shouldn't write about this because Mari Smith just blogged about it. Well, you know... It might be even that I refer to Mari Smith's post. But, you know, there's unfortunately no original ideas anymore. Oh, no. I mean, we've been around for a long time, humans. So, you know, we have to take that information from somebody else. Yes. I get a lot of of inspiration from Facebook. What are people talking about? You know, now I try and have what I call evergreen blog posts where they could read it now, they could read it six months from now, you know, all those various things. So I'm not going to say now in Facebook, push this button in LinkedIn, click here because those platforms change so much. But, you know, what do you think about evergreen content versus here's, you know, I mean, and obviously it depends on your industry. If you're talking about, say, Christmas gifts, well, you know, you have to write about Christmas gifts around Christmas. But, you know, I think that's sometimes where people get caught up is they think it has to be about the here and now and something, you know, that that's really current. There are ways to package that so it can be read at any point in time. Yes, there are. And I would say that
2: the here and now really current, you know, click this button because it exists, you know, in this particular location on Facebook right now, um, those that type of content is great. If you've got a lot of time to blog, if you've got a staff mm-hmm. so you can really stay right. on top mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. but if it's just you, or if you've got, um, a smaller staff and you're all wearing a lot of different hats, then evergreen content is really, mm-hmm. I think the smart choice to write things that are a little bit more, um, universal to your industry issues that are perennial. They don't ever really go mm-hmm. away. They're right. always the things that people are talking about. Um, maybe responses to changes in your industry that are going to be relevant for longer than just the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're going to impact your business and the businesses of your peers and colleagues for the next year, two years, five years, um, stuff like that. Um, the, the reason that that type of content is valuable is because as, as we talked about when we first started this, when you, blog, you have an opportunity to get people to your site. And Mm -hmm. once they're there, it is to your advantage for them to stay as long as Mm -hmm. possible. And if you have content that that's relevancy doesn't expire, then they're more likely to continue to read. And especially if you've done a good job of kind of categorizing your content and linking it together. You know, if you've written a post then you can refer to a different post that you've written, provide a link, people can can really work their way through your site and they'll stay again on your domain. And the advantages of that are, you know, they increase your potential of making a sale basically.
1: Well, and if it's not evergreen content, you know, maybe you're writing about a new product that you have or a new service, just make it clear to people. So that way, if they're looking at it a year from now, they realize, Oh, okay, well they launched this, you know, new feature or whatever. So it's it's less confusing for them. And I think that's sometimes where I get confused. You know, I'll go to somebody's uh, blog post and they'll be talking about this new thing. Yeah. Well, the blog post is so old, it's not even on their website anymore. So right. then I'm done. I'm right. gone. You know, I'm, I'm off to the next thing. Right. And it's important to remember that when
2: you publish a blog post, it's archived um, and, and on the internet, mm-hmm. you know, from that right. point forward, unless you deliberately go in there and delete it, which is not something I recommend doing. So... From time to time, I think a little maintenance is a good idea mm-hmm. where you kind of go back through your archive and you look for links that are no longer live or valid. If you've run promotions that are no longer happening, that you, you know, strike through those sentences that pertain to that or mm-hmm. you remove right. a link that's mm-hmm. no longer valid. That is an excellent task to outsource to someone. Um, You know, I think Fiverr would be a good location. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good task to to send to somebody who can just go through your blog archive with a list of objectives to update links, cross out, you know, references to this type of thing. And you could spend, you know, under $50 to right. have somebody mm-hmm. do it for you and you don't have to spend mm-hmm. the time. But it's worth Right. Routine maintenance mm-hmm. to make sure that those past articles, even if they're not evergreen per se, that they're they're updated.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, again, when you're working on that content, look for those images. You know, I mentioned I use yep. Deposit Photos. You create your own. You know, yep. it's it's. It's a great way to do that. Fiverr is also a good thing. You know, yes. maybe you've got some great images but you have absolutely no idea how to edit them and, and how yeah. to add that text. Yep. You know, this is not something that you should be stressing over. You no. know, for five dollars you can have somebody do that. You for can. You.
2: They can create all your banners, mm-hmm. your
1: buttons, your you know, your images for your sidebar. Right. So you don't mm-hmm. have to do it all yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and and what I like about WordPress is that it kind of has a lot of those things built in, or you can add them as widgets. Yes. You know, for example, on mine, I've now started using a thing that, that has a little thing that says, you know, if you like this blog post, you might also like, right. and then it gives the, the images again, and yep. the, the titles from, I think I've got it set to, to three yep. other blog posts. So it's bringing up the same categories. So again, right. you know, that's, that's where you have those in there because if they like that one article, you really are hoping that they like something else. Right. Exactly, great. Now we've got our blog. It looks pretty. We've written content, and nobody goes there. How do you promote? And I think that's where people get caught up. Yeah. Is that only two people commented on my blog post? Yeah. Some, you know, not everybody says you know a, a Facebook post. You might have a thousand people that saw it. Yeah. Two of them clicked the like button. Right. You know, so it's not that they're not seeing it, but how do people promote blog posts and and really get that message out there? Certainly. Social media mm-hmm. is a primary vehicle to promote your
2: blog post. So, you know, I think sometimes when we think about adding blogging to the social media that we're already doing, it seems like, oh, one more thing. And truthfully, if you start with the blog post, as Deb was saying, it really helps you generate the social media right. content. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of killing two birds with one mm-hmm. stone, but absolutely every blog post that you write, you should be promoting it on all the social media channels that you're actively participating on. Invite people to click. You can promote it more than one time. You know, there's no rule that says, Oh, I already told them about this blog post, so mm-hmm. I can't ever right. share about mm-hmm. it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you can promote it, you know, multiple times, encourage people to come to visit the, the article, um, share about it in a variety of different, you know, uh, different ways, describe it differently, um, as, as for, for example, as Deb was saying, if I have a blog post and I've got three points, then you know, share one point the first time you promote it. Share another point the second time you promote it. Um, so social media is excellent. Uh, I'm a big advocate of email marketing. Mm-hmm. So if you have right. a, an email list, I think that that's a great way to let people know that you've written a new post and send out an email to them just sharing about the article, encouraging the, to them to come and read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Obviously, letting other people know that you've posted it, um, just making sure that people are aware that you have a blog. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's on your business card. Make right. sure that when you are mm-hmm. networking out and about, that you make reference to the blogs that you've written. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrea Voll, Grandma Mary, actually does a great job of this whenever she's speaking. She mentions throughout the course of all her presentations, oh, I've written a blog post on that. I've written a blog post on ah, that. So mm-hmm. make sure that you, you know, if you've written content that's educational, valuable, interesting, mm-hmm. and you're in conversation, bring it up. Mm-hmm. Let people know right. that it's there and that mm-hmm. it's available.
1: One of the things that I uh, have been experimenting with is kind of the the reposting of of old things. and And I use Buffer app. You yes, know, a lot of people use yes. different things. I love Buffer app. Uh-huh. I am at the the version where I have to pay for it uh-huh. because I use it so much. But, you know, it's it's you can it's use great. it for like 10 posts a week and it's free oh, something yeah. like that. And yeah. so I went back through and I I because I've been blogging for a while now mm-hmm. and so then I went back through and I uh, set up uh, in the Buffer to, to go out again yeah and I just do one a week you know so that way and maybe I should do more you know I don't think I should do yeah. less but it's kind of those posts that I thought were good so I went through and picked them though because that way I, okay you know yeah. and then I rewrote the introductory section you know for the the buffer app yep and that kind of got that back out there again
2: yeah and I think that is an excellent point when you create digital content especially blog posts um, ebooks there's such a potential for you to reuse that material mm-hmm. in a variety of ways. And again, there is no rule that says once you've written your post and you've promoted it through that, you know, sort of initial push that that's the end of mm-hmm. its life. Right. The great thing about digital content is that it can be reincarnated and you can get a refresh traffic back to your site, Mm -hmm. back to your post by sharing it again. So I think that's an excellent strategy. I think it's one that people really overlook. Go back through your archive, highlight posts that um, that you liked that were interesting, that were relevant and just give people another opportunity Mm -hmm. to refresh their
1: memory, to come back, to visit again, maybe see it for the first time. Well, and, and really see it for the first time because, you know, maybe I wrote something a year ago. Well, I have a whole different set of people connected to me now on social media. And while I'd like to think that these people are just going and reading everything, they're not. No. So if I, you know, post something again, it's like, Oh, you know, it's new to them. And I think that's again an excellent point to remember.
2: If you are doing exactly what Deb is telling you, which is to go through your archive, repromote, repost things, that it it creates the idea that you're really providing a lot of valuable content consistently and yet you're not having to create, 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 mm-hmm. create, right. create. You're able to create it one time and then really get value out of it for a long period mm-hmm. of time after that which saves you time. Mm-hmm. It's a way of maximizing that hour to 2 hours you spent writing your blog post and getting the most life out of it.
1: So Right. You know and and you also need to keep track of of what's good and what's not. Um you know, I have Google Analytics set up. Yes, I have Stat Surfer which it's funny they they come up with different numbers. So that's you know, a little, but confusing. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and I can always tell when something has gone back out again, even if I haven't seen it, you know, you know, I was, Oh, well I got a, a spark here or yeah. a peak. So pay attention to those things, you know, and, and again, those things are free. You know, add those onto your site. If you don't have Google analytics on your site and you're not paying attention to them, my guest last week really talked about the fact that, you know, you have to be looking at those analytics. Now she was an an analytical person, so she looked every day. Now that would drive me nuts, (laughs) but you know, you should be looking once a week. You know, what happened? What was good? Um, you know, what did people not respond to at all? Yep. And the reason that
2: that you want to pay attention to analytics is because again, your job with all of your marketing is to make a connection. Mm-hmm. It's to provide something that your fans and followers genuinely want in their life, mm-hmm. whether it's knowledge, information, tips, suggestions, analytics show you what's really connecting right. and what's mm-hmm. resonating with them. And that gives you an insight into who they are and it helps you generate even better ideas for how to reach them going forward.
1: Right. And again, you know, it might be that you did a, you wrote a blog post and nobody commented. But when you look in your analytics, you saw a big spike that day. Yeah. So, you know, people at least went there and read it. Yeah. Um, one of the funny things, speaking of comments that, that I started doing that I really noticed a difference on was, you know, I, I, I wrote the post and then it just, you know, nobody did anything. When I added the sentence, please comment below, Yes. even though that field for them to comment was always there, it was almost like they needed that permission from me.
2: Yep. And you, what you are addressing is a very, very, very important thing to remember with all of your marketing blog posts included, which is include a call to action. Right. Ask your readers, followers, fans to do something. Ask them to leave a comment, ask them to retweet, ask them to share, um, ask them to sign up for your email, ask them to download your ebook, ask them to visit one of your products, ask them to learn about your services. Studies have shown that, wait for it, this is shocking. People are more inclined to do it when you ask them right. to. It's just human nature. Mm-hmm. It's basic psychology. So when you plant that little seed, mm-hmm. please leave a comment. Please share mm-hmm. this on right. Facebook. Please like, please download. Mm-hmm. People are more likely right. to do right. it.
1: And it's just one please, folks. It's not, please, 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 please. Yeah, please. don't sound desperate. Oh, you know, I see those and I think, oh, really? You know, and, and but yeah, it, it is funny that people think they kind of need that permission.
2: And it just, again, it plants that sort of suggestive seed. Mm -hmm. And it's really important when you are doing marketing of any kind, keep your end in mind. What am I, what am I really wanting them to do here? Mm -hmm. What action am I wanting them to take? Right. Do I want them to comment? Mm -hmm. Do I want them to share? Do I want them to opt into my email list? Mm -hmm. Whatever that is, have an answer and then make sure that your content provides the invitation
1: for follow through. Now, one of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times is that list, that yes. email list. What is so important? Because we all, you know, there for several years, everybody had an email newsletter and we got bombarded yep. with them. And so then we heard, "Ooh, don't do that anymore. Yep. And and it was kind of like direct mail. You know, now that's come back in because people, you know, when I actually get a printed piece in the mail, I pay attention to it because, yeah. you know, that it's kind of come back into fashion. But why do we want to develop email lists? What, do we, you know, what is that purpose?
2: So an email list is your most valuable marketing asset. And I say that because it is the names and contact and really permission to contact right. mm-hmm. your fans and followers that you own. So it's not your list of followers that Facebook has a record of. Mm -hmm. It's your list of of friends and followers that you keep a record of. This insulates you from all of these changes that we get, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of bewildered by, sometimes frustrated by changes that Google makes to their algorithm, changes that Facebook makes Mm -hmm. to their layout and their rules. When you have your own direct access through names and emails, you can continue to communicate consistently with your, your followers, your customers in a way that is not impacted Mm -hmm. so much by these changes from companies that, you know, are outside of your control. And again, I I emphasize to that consent, people who sign up for your email list who give consent, are, are, are taking it to the next level. They're mm-hmm. not just saying, I, I'm i going to passively follow you. They're saying, I give you permission right. to contact mm-hmm. me and to talk to me. And for me, that's a, a deeper level of connection with your fans and followers. It's a deeper level of connection for your brand and it's very valuable. Mm-hmm. So I think one of your best calls to action, we just mentioned calls to action, one of your best calls to action for blog posts is to get people to sign up right. for your email list. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you like this article? Here's more to come sign up here, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you don't have to send out an, an email newsletter right. in that mm-hmm. way. That was very trendy. Um, you can email differently if you choose mm-hmm. to. And I think email marketing has diversified right. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think it's, it's extremely valuable. Don't overlook it. Mm-hmm. Don't think that your fans and followers through social media is all you need because in a heartbeat, one of those companies could make a unilateral decision, and right. all those connections mm-hmm. could disappear. Mm-hmm. So,
1: well, and and as you mentioned, make it easy and put it in multiple places. You yes, know, people that go to my Facebook page. It's one of the tabs on my page yes. to sign up for my newsletter. It's on every single page of my website. Right. And now I do a little giveaway. You know, if you sign yep. up to get my email newsletter, then you get um, three top tips for using LinkedIn. Great so that idea. does kind of give people a reason to sign up. Yes. And I also say, you know, I'm not going to sell your name. I'm not going to bombard you. Sure. You know, I have somebody right now that she emails twice a day. Wow. I that's stopped a lot. reading them a long yeah. time ago. Um, you know, and, and, but. It's funny, I haven't unsubscribed because, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I know her, so I should keep getting the stuff, but I don't read it, you know, because it's too much. much. And again, that goes back to our basic thing we always want to
2: remember Mm -hmm. who are you communicating with? And to put yourself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Are they going to read an email from you twice today? Right. If the answer is no, then you sh- you have no business emailing them mm-hmm. that frequently. And for most of us, the answer is no. Most of us have target markets
1: that are a lot busier than mm-hmm. that. They don't want to hear it from right. us that right. much. Now, obviously, it depends on what's going on. You know, maybe it's, it's you know, you're talking about a sale for Christmas. Well, then yeah, you know, yeah. but always be aware of that fact. And the nice thing is you can see, you know, if you start losing subscribers, right. then you do have a problem. Right. Um, you right. Know, and, but, you know, a lot of people probably are like me, too. You know, they just stop reading it. Yep. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned at the start, Seth Godin, I stopped I, I actually unsubscribed because he blogs a lot. He blogs every day. And sometimes it's two or three sentences. Yeah. So I'm not getting anything from those two or three sentences. Yeah. I'd rather get something that comes out once a week or maybe even once every couple of weeks that's a lot more pithy mm-hmm. and has a lot more content.
2: Yep. It's important to, you know, talk to your target market. Talk mm-hmm. to the people who are following you. Find right. out what they like. If they want, you know, ask them. Don't be afraid to survey them. Mm-hmm. So know their preferences, pay attention. Again, you mentioned analytics, mm-hmm. all email marketing software have built in analytical reports and programs for you to mm-hmm. look at so that you can see which emails are really connecting, which ones were a total mm-hmm. dud. Um, you if know, you had links, did they click yep. the links? Did they yep. forward it? All who, of those various who things. Who are the people that are mm-hmm. really engaged and who are the people that just haven't opened or read anything mm-hmm. in a long time? And how can I send a message to them specifically to get them to reengage? Right,
1: right. So... Again, you, those those analytical
2: tools are helpful mm-hmm. for that kind of thing.
1: Well, and I think the other thing people do get caught up in is the actual quantity. You know, it doesn't matter if you have 100 people who are on your email list or 10,000. You want the right people. You yeah. know, if, if you have 10,000 and, you know, 9,999 of them never read what you've done then it's a waste of time. Yeah. If you have 190 of those are very engaged, yeah. that's the important thing. That's and I right. think that's really where people get so concerned is they're looking at the analytics. You know, nobody commented on my blog post or oh, I only have 30 Facebook friends. Well,
2: you know, if it's the right people, that's OK. That's right. If Yeah. If it's the right people. And also, again... If you, you know, if nobody's commenting, if nobody's connecting and if you're consistently Mm -hmm. producing content, remember it takes time. But if you're out there and you're consistently producing content and you're not getting any engagement, number one, ask yourself, am I asking them to engage?
1: Right. And -hmm. if
2: you are and you're still not getting engagement, then number two, you're, you're probably not really putting yourself in their shoes. You are not providing things that are really valuable to them. And you need to go back to the drawing board. Right. Who is mm-hmm. my target market? Mm-hmm. What do they really need and want mm-hmm. from me? And how can I put myself in their shoes a little bit
1: better than I have mm-hmm. been? Great. Well, Stephanie, amazingly enough, we are at the top of the hour. So one last time, tell people how they connect with you. You can connect with me at stephaniehilberry.com or anywhere on social media. Great, perfect. And for those of you who aren't connected with me, why not? But it is pretty easy to find me. You just go to com, which is d e b k r i e r.com. Um this has been great being, especially Thank being you. back in studio. This is so much fun, you know. I love being on Skype and being able to do my program that way. And next week we'll be back to Skype because I will be back down in Atlanta, and I'll be talking with Craig price about podcasting. So we're going to Mm -hmm. kind of take the whole blogging thing to the next step and talk about podcasting. So that'll be great fun. But again, Stephanie, thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you took the two hour drive to, to come down here and and meet with me. Me too. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Here's your problem. You haven't been listening to MileHighRadio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit C-SuiteRadio.com.